Glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I love jokes. All of you know that. I am a, oftentimes uh, consider myself a joking priest. Uh, but I, I love those good news and bad news jokes most of all. Uh, they, there's always a twist to them. So the good news here today is, and this weekend is that it's, uh, it's uh, Labor Day weekend. It's good news for us in the nation because it's a, day in na it's a weekend in which we set aside our time to enjoy family, friends, the weekend, this wonderful New England weather, this beautiful community we have. It's good news. But here's the bad news. You have to be committed to this day. You have to put aside all of your work for Labor Day, that Monday. You have to put aside all of these things that take you away from enjoying and relishing the moment with your family and friends. You have to put aside that phone and any other distraction that takes you away from this particular moment, this weekend, this time with family and friends, this time to enjoy the natural beauty of this place. Good news and bad news. In the gospel today, we have good news and we have bad news. Good news is God may, uh, seeks to make the vision of the kingdom a reality in this world. God, in the Gospel of Luke, seeks to make it a reality by the work of Jesus Christ. God's hope is that the world would be filled with joyful and hopeful people, with all of you, enjoying and relishing the relationships that you have with one another and, and a relationship with God in its fullness. God seeks a world of justice and peace, of joy and hope and healing. That is the vision. That's God's hope. That's the good news that God wants for us. He seeks to make real that vision. But here's the bad news. Here's the human condition. God requires our help. God wants our help. He wants committed discipleship. He wants you to want that so badly that all other things don't matter. In the Gospel of Luke today, Jesus says quite forcefully, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, his brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. If anyone does not hate father or mother, brother or sister, or hates one's own life, wow, <laughs> that sounds like bad news. What a hard thing to demand of people who are drawn to a vision of a better and safer and loving world. Why would Jesus say to us to become a di disciple so we have to hate anyone? Well, I, we thought, we might have thought that Jesus was all about love. 
And why would he want us to hate especially our parents? Those familial relationships that are powerful, that encourage us, that, that, that are the source of our nurture from the beginning. For some of us here, and more than we'd like to admit, our parents dragged us to church on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, right? Kicking and screaming. Oh, there I see it. I hear an amen up there. And I know this is true for me, and I'm your priest. When I was younger, I was one of those kids. Yes, I put my poor parents through a ringer, so much pain as they struggled to get me to church on Sunday mornings because they wanted me to learn about God and a better way to live. And, and I tell you, my friends, because of their faithful persistence, I found my faith. Yet Jesus tells me that in order to be a disciple, he wants me to hate my parents along with family and friends to be his disciples. We have to look at this closer to understand this a little bit better. Scholars suggest that sometimes Jesus uses exaggerated language. Yes, he does, to make a point, especially in parables and in simple wisdom sayings. Remember that, that line that Jesus says, if your eyes causes you to sin, plug it out. Or if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Stressing, of course, the importance of unwavering commitment to living the best life possible. They suggest, biblical suge uh, scholars suggest that Jesus doesn't mean hate in the way you know hate and I know hate. He means something else. Then how do we make sense of Luke's passage today? To understand our passage today, we have to know who Jesus is speaking to. Scripture po points to this. You know, there are three groups of people that in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus encounters. First, there are the opponents of Jesus, those Pharisees, scribes, those teachers of the law that want to maintain the system the way it is. Then there are the crowds of people who are kind of drawn to his ministry, who like to see what's happening, who are drawn to the excitement of it. And then finally, there are the disciples. In the Gospels, many are attracted to Jesus, and a few get a glimpse of God's vision for the world and are drawn to it to stay with Jesus and the community of disciples. They experience the type of community and the hope that God has for them and for the world, and they are the ones that want to be the disciples. The word disciple is a term used to describe a follower. It comes from a root meaning to learn. For the gospelist Luke, though, the term means something more than a student who learns concepts or ideas from a teacher. A disciple is one who acts, who follows the lifestyle, the habits, and the way of thinking of his teacher, 
For Luke, the gospel of the goal of the disciple is to become as much like the teacher as possible. So in our gospel today, for those who want to be a disciple of Jesus, they aren't called to merely dabble with Christianity, picking and choosing what they want and when it is convenient for them. No. A disciple radically has to reprioritize life. One's love for Jesus, for God, for, one, for one's commitment to God's kingdom must outweigh all other loyalties, even at the cost of other passions. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be committed to God even when it is not easy and sometimes when it is painful to do so. For Jesus, you simply can't rush into this type of commitment. He's preparing them for this commitment. And you have to know that there is a cost for any good thing. And to illustrate that point, Jesus gives two brief parables, reminding the potential disciples, you and me, who want to follow Jesus, that we must first calculate the cost or assist, assess the needs before committing to Jesus, really committing to Jesus. You know this. You who have come to church year in, year out, you know that to be a disciple of Jesus it means to give up some things. It requires a cost. You know, yesterday was my son's birthday my eldest son. And he and I did something on his bucket list. And it was on my bucket list one day I told him years ago. And he reminded me that it was on my bucket list. So yesterday morning at 9 o'clock, we went to Newport to skydive. And, you know, I made that commitment just as an offhand type of thing. I said, all right, it's on, my, it's on my list of things to do one day in life. I didn't realize that he was going to call me to it. So yesterday, we went. And, you know, we took the, the, the pictures before the skydiving incident. And, I, you know, we were had the hands up there, the peace sign, the thumbs up, everything was looking good. And then we were on that plane. And, and yes, folks, it wasn't just us alone. We were riding tandem with someone else, which was really good. And so they had, the person who was with me was tied to my back there, and he was taking pictures. And he opened the airplane door and I put my legs out on the wing of the airplane door 10,000 feet up in the air, two miles up. And I looked down and the look of my face, because he has a photo of it and I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to share that. <laughs> but oh my God, <laughs> talk about commitment. <laughs> I was looking down like this. And I was thinking to myself, 
why am I here? <laughs> and then he said to me, look at the camera, smile. And I'll... <laughs> and then he pushed me. I was committed. I didn't know the cost. <laughs> but there I flew. And I flew down. And after getting over the initial fear, and after I realized that I had a parachute, I started to enjoy the moment. I looked at my son who, was, who, was, who went down before I did. And I started to think, I'm so proud of him. Whatever he does, I'm so proud of him. And I prayed, I hope I got him back home alive <laughs> for my wife. And I started to look around at the beauty of nature, that Newport area, and I just thank God for all its beauty. Friends, I invite you to not be part of the crowd. I invite you not to fight the coming of God's kingdom like the opponents of Jesus. I urge you to consider being a disciple of Jesus, helping to change the world for the better. But friends, if you consider being a disciple of Jesus before you leap out of that airplane, remember that this commitment requires sacrifices. But also remember it offers joy and hope as God becomes your parachute. Amen.